All righty then, we will go ahead and get started. So my name is Melanie Hempy. I am the founder of Screen Strong and we are so thrilled that you are here. We have a lot of teenagers represented here, it looks like in our poll. Um, so we really are so thrilled to have you here and moms and dads, dads especially wanna welcome you. If you're here, I know you probably had a long day at work, moms too. It's hard sometimes to get regrouped and get on a, a screen, another screen. But I want to introduce our guests, Arlene and James over there, Hello. Hello, Kane. <laughs> and oh my goodness, we are so thrilled to have them. I think Arlene, you and I must have met, I, I don't know, three or four or five years ago. It's, yes. been, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to you so much about the whole idea of limiting screens and delaying video games and delaying smartphones. And you truly have just become a poster child family. The kids can survive without these things. I know. Like we did the experiment on your family yeah, and it, and it worked and you're it still works. alive and your kids, do they, they like you still? They or? like us. They, they choose to be with us and they're not mad at us. Oh, good. Oof. <laughs> we were worried about that a little bit, but um, no, really we have had just such a neat friendship and getting to know each other through managing this new thing that we've all had to manage with all this technology. So we're really thrilled that you're here tonight. We're going to specifically be talking about the issues around video games and dads, because I think it's really important that dads um, get on board and they understand. Um, I think mom sometime, I know I'm stereotyping, but I feel like mom sometime, at least according to all my stats, you know, they kind of see the problem because they're, they're maybe more home, more time or whatever. And they just kind of see what's going on. And then sometimes dad just doesn't quite understand what's happening. Or sometimes it is the reverse. We certainly do have some dads that come to my meetings that are like, oh, I need to get my wife here. We need to get on board. So we're not going to like point out anything about mom or dad, but we are going to say tonight that you've got to be a team with your spouse or your partner. You have to have some teamwork around this. And you really need to feel and, and see yourself as a coach and you are coaching a team and there's some hard things that need to be done, but you're looking ahead because your kids can't do that yet. They don't have that part of their brain working yet. They can't, what we call play the tape forward, but you can. And so you got to work together. Um, and that's what James want to introduce you. Oh my goodness. When I listened to y'all's video of your kids, which by the way, we're going to put the link in here so we can all watch this because y'all did a little video. Um, so good of interviewing your kids about all this. And um, I remember in that video that I, I don't remember which one of your children said that you, James, are almost really more strict than mom. So is this true? And can you give us your testimony and your journey and your background, please? Sure, sure. Um, I must confess, I'm a strong brew. So if I offend you, it's not deliberate. I'm from New York and it just comes very naturally. Oh, good. So I'm I glad you warned me. In, in advance. <laughs> um, my dad was a physician and he watched a lot of patients and he decided, goodness gracious, in the 70s that he didn't want his kids to really watch TV. We did watch mm. TV. Um, we were allowed to watch it on the weekends. And I will never forget it because my next door neighbor in third grade got a TV in his in his bedroom. Oh. And I was like, Daddy, 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 I 
what can, what do I have to do to get a TV in my bedroom? And that was big. <laughs> and basically my dad kind of like ignored the, it wasn't even an option. It didn't even like, I could be speaking like Swahili or another language. It didn't even compute. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to, uh, no, I'm not going to get you a TV in your bedroom. So I've kind of taken that idea and I've kind of superimposed it upon our kids today. I, I still can't get over the fact. I mean, I got my first cell phone. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a licensed real estate broker. I got my cell phone when I was, I think, 33 years old yeah. when I had four deals in escrow. And <laughs> it, it was time because I think this was, um, goodness, probably 2001-ish, 2002. And um, nowadays, it's almost like, it's almost like you, you provide for your children, you teach them how to swim, you teach them how to read, you, you take care of their diapers and you get them a cell phone. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand like the entitlement behind it. I, I'm yeah. like really backwards with like, like, why would you want to do that to your kids? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of my little background. So. Right, right. Well, it's almost like I, I agree with you that all of us and all the parents that are on today, you know, they didn't grow up with with smartphones. So we're not asking our kids to do something that we haven't already done um, mm -hmm. as far as the smartphone goes. And I also agree with you with the entitlement that there does seem to be something wrong uh, with having a piece of equipment when you're 10 that costs $800. Like that just is cost more than my first car. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So that was kind of your, your upbringing. And then, so what happened when you started with your own family? Did you have a very clear direction in the beginning or did this just sort of evolve as video games and phones became so popular? You know, when your values are clear, your decisions are easy. Mm. I mean, whether it be money, Great. whether it be if you want to lose weight, when your values are clear, mm. I had an issue where my, my, my levels for my cholesterol were off. I mean, it just made my values very, very clear. I needed to eat healthy. It just, it just it became crystal clear to me. I had mm. to eliminate the chocolate chip cookies. So when it comes to like- <laughs> Which was very hard for him. Oh, I love chocolate chip cookies. I must confess. Now my numbers are good so I can eat chocolate chip cookies. Okay. But anyway, my point is, is that my values are really clear that I think the number one value that I wanted to teach my child was self-control. Because wow. I believe that from this virtue of self-control stems every virtue. Kindness yeah. is putting someone ahead of your own self. Patience, uh, long suffering is right there, right? It's just yeah. everything stems from self-control. And I realized by giving the child this device is the exact antithesis of self-control. It puts them in control of their own little avatar universe. Mm -hmm. So I just saw, thought to myself that this is really counterproductive in what we want for our kids to become. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, one of my favorite authors says, beware who you become in the pursuit of what you want. Hmm. So as our kids do life, and as they did elementary school, it was really interesting for me to watch and for Arlene to watch as well. Our kids had a distinct advantage over every other kid. Hmm. Honestly, the wow. advantage was they could endure boredom. Yes. Put them in front of a test because it's really, really important. I, I hate to share this with a bunch of teens. It's important that our kids do well in school. I didn't do well in school as a kid. I felt like the dummy in school. And I really wanted to avoid that for my kids. So <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to set them up for success. And one of the things that sounds really, really weird, but by not enabling them to have video games or devices, um, they had a couple of options. They could play the old fashioned way. They could fight, which sometimes is appropriate, <laughs> or they could read. Yes. I mean, those are really great options. 
Yeah. I really love that because I feel like when we introduced video games to my oldest son and those of y'all who know me know our story that we really struggled with video games and it replaced his reading right Mm -hmm. away because he used to read novels, you know, stacks of books in his room. And then the game, you know, it, it just replaced it all that time. He started gaming. He was taking away from reading Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. And, you know, our, our story, basically Adam gamed all through middle school. I had no idea this was, I was creating this problem. I I just thought he was going to outgrow it. I thought he was just going to go to college and be fine, you know, and start his life. But as y'all know, um, he ended up dropping out his first year in college because little gamers grow up to be big gamers. And um, that's what he did. And whatever our kids do when they're little is what they keep doing. So, um, and I have the, I will go ahead and show this, this uh, will your gamers survive college. This is a little booklet that we have that's on our website, but if you are on tonight and you have a child who's a teenager, which it looks like a lot of you do, this is a really short little read and it gives what happened to Adam. It gives his story. It might be kind of eye-opening if you have a 12, 13, 14, or even older kid, you might want to read this to them. Or yeah, have them I want to jump it. in and say, you need to get that because it gives that firsthand account of what happens to what happened to Melanie's son when he went to college. It's totally worth it. It's so, so good. It's very, it, thank very you. good. Thank you, Arlene. And it's really short. I made it that way. So kids would read it too. But anyway, James, let's dive into this thing about video games. Now I know that smartphones are a problem too, and we can touch on that some, but I do want to remind parents that your child can game on their smartphone. Exactly. So they're connected. (laughs) So they, um, so boy, I remember when Adam was in high school and they had just come out with this whole laptop thing. And that's where the downfall was really in ninth grade, he got a laptop and that's where I lost my ability to help him manage all this. And so I remember walking down the hallway, all these ninth graders, and it was during a lunch period, I was going to a meeting and I looked and they were all lined up in the hallway with their laptops and they were all playing call of duty, every one of them in school. And that was the first time I realized, oh my goodness, this gaming problem isn't just at home. It's also at school. And then now with smartphones, it's all, it's everywhere. It's 24 seven, but let's talk about your, um, what, what, you you know, what you do now in your home with games, first of all, and then we were going to tackle these questions. I, um, we've had a lot of really good questions come in from our Facebook group, our screen strong families, Facebook group. And the first question we're going to talk about is centered around this idea that, um, gaming is a good way to bond with your kids. So James, talk about that. If you're not bonding over video games, what in the heck are you doing? And why are you not using video games to bond with your kids? I'm somewhat of a dinosaur. So forgive me in advance. We don't play video games in our house. We watch tons of movies. We play tons of games. Um, we sweat, we literally sweat with our kids. And I really want to encourage dads to sweat with your kids. 
I don't care that. what it is. It could be biking. We did martial arts. I never got so injured before in my life. We did it for five years. Yeah, and just to give just to give context, our kids, we go boy, girl, girl, and our son is now a senior in high school. We have a daughter that's a sophomore, and then another our youngest is a seventh grade girl. And when we did this martial arts stuff, this was their elementary school year. So we spent years and years instead of gaming, we were like on the mat together. It was humiliating, oh but it was a lot of fun. Oh my goodness. What a great, I love that. Sweat with your kids. Okay, everybody write that down. That is a great tip. Put that oh, on I your refrigerator. This, I learned this from Gary Smalling. He studied yeah. like, I can't remember the numbers, so forgive me, but he studied like, like 10,000 families from every social economic way of life, religious, I just studied it. And then he broke out the happy ones from the ones that weren't happy and just studied the happy ones. And he came to the conclusion that the happy ones had an activity they did together. Yes. Didn't make a difference what the activity was. Could yeah. be pool, bowling, just an activity. Not that there were spectators, they did it together. And right. I, I, this is my number one advice for dads. Um, provide leadership along the lines of, and you could do it, especially when they're young. This is the best. Mm -hmm. When they're young, you can, if, especially if you put on patience, you got to put on a lot of patience. If you're a skier, great. Teach them, how to, teach them raise them up in your hobbies. So then when they get older, they're doing the stuff that you love. But, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hobbies that are like fishing and biking Absolutely. and um, getting outside, like you said, I know that we um, we recommend a lot that dads do like exercises and calisthenics and, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and get into some competition with your kids over that, you know, um, that, that is such a great in running. I mean, anybody, you know, can do that, but what would you say to the parent who says, oh, but gaming is the way I bond. And that is my activity that I do with, you know, kids. there could be, uh, I'm reluctant to say this, but you know, I have a couple of clients that are, um, uh, they're, they're, they're programmers and they would, they would say this exact same thing, but I would argue that it's like having a bag of Doritos for dinner. <laughs> you know, it can kind of satiate you in a sense, but in the, in, in the longer sense, uh, not so much. It's not necessarily the healthiest thing for you. So um, I'm sure there could be, I have very little experience to talk about bonding with video games because I don't do it. I mm -hmm. bond in other ways with my kids. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's a tremendous bond that's made when you're actually doing activities together. I, I don't think right. anything can substitute for that. So and, <laughs> Right. And so let's talk about that just for a minute. And Arlene, you might can jump in here too. But my first thought, thought that comes to my head when I hear about dads that want to um, bond with their kids over video games. It is very different than other activities, right? It's it's more of a side by side, what we call in medicine, it's a sort of sandbox play. It's like toddlers that play together. They're not really playing. They're not old enough to really interact. So they're playing side by side. And we have play dates for our little toddlers but the goal is to get them to keep from, you know, biting the other kid or hitting the other kid. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of relationship going on because it's side by side. And the, the second thing, James, I feel like that the way dads would play a video game would be very different from the way a nine-year-old would play a video game or something. And so you're not really playing together. Now, I know you can argue there's some games out there that you can get on teams and collaborate and whatnot, but it's still not like doing another activity. It is like no other activity. Um, it, it's very, very different. So I think that an adult 
playing a video game with a 10 year old is very different than the adult and the 10 year old running or fishing, you know, playing like frisbee. Different, different, a different level of communication is happening. You know, there's more to it. And I think that just like echoing what you were saying, that there can be something there that's that it is a connection to play that video game with your child, but you'll have to pay, play that tape forward. If it's a video game that is an addictive type of video game, which right. a lot of them are now, then, okay, this is a help, you know, this might be nice for 10 minutes that you're doing it together, but what, you know, how much is your son or your daughter playing when you're not playing together, you know, right. and kind of think through all those kinds of things too. Yeah. You've started a habit and, you know, mm-hmm. and is it a habit like, like push-ups, would you want them to do push-ups when you're not there? Absolutely, you would. You know, the other maybe litmus test here that just that that y'all are helping me remember is that these activities, James, that you're talking about, really should be activities where you can enjoy conversation with your kids. Um, and in yeah, a video I game, I think there's something so much. much deeper going on. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. parents want their kids to play video games at a subconscious level because they watch the news too much and are afraid to have their kids go outside. So I work as a real estate agent and it's amazing because I have clients say, where are the kids? Where are all the kids? When I was a kid, everyone was playing on the street. We played everything, everything was on <laughs> the street. Riding bikes. It was so fun. It was like yeah. little posses of kids. Nowadays, no kids at all, none, like gone. Oh, they're here, I know they're here, I know where they live. But, uh, you know, but they're not out. Why aren't they out? Because it's easier for the parent to say, you know something, go ahead, just play with this game here. Whether yeah. it be the mom or the dad, it's because they, now they feel like they have, a, they have a level of like safety and security. They, they, they know where they are. So mm-hmm. I really think a lot of this issue necessarily isn't necessarily uh, this bonding. It's more of this babysitting. It's like a digital, mm. what Arlene calls a digital binky, but it's mostly for the parents because they feel like they're, they're, they're okay because they can see where their kids are even mm-hmm. though they don't know where they are mentally in their mind. Right. Yeah. James, I so, want to um, come kind of piggyback off something. Jill asked the question just about eye contact, the feeling of, you know, something you're missing when you're playing mm-hmm. and gaming, if that's mm-hmm. your main way of bonding with your child, you're not really giving them eye contact. And Jill just wanted to hear your opinion about the importance of eye contact between a dad and their kids. Oh, I mean, come on. I absolutely is. I, I just think, I'm a big fan of being, I mean, my values are very clear. I want to raise my children to win. And it's amazing to me because people don't put it all together. But you interact with some of these kids now. I mean, mm-hmm. forgive me. I know this isn't very politically correct, but they are retarded socially. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. retarded. They're very slow. If you ask them a question, they can't interact with you. Where does this come from? I mean, mm-hmm. this comes from this obsessiveness with the video games and the phones. So I, I just think you're doing your kids a tremendous disservice and you just got to fast forward the tape. Got to figure that out. So yeah, practicing, just, practicing that eye contact at home with your kids, giving them lots of doses of eye contact. So when they go out and they meet a, you know, someone in the grocery store or a teacher or somewhere in a church or a synagogue, they can look them in the eye and, and feel comfortable yeah. with that. And you, with that you eye can't give, contact. You can't, what you, you can't give what you don't have. So mm-hmm. if you got to, if you're, and then it's, again, it goes back to the parent because where's the parent's eyes? Mm-hmm. So if the parent's mm-hmm. eyes are on their phone, of course, they're going to want their kids to be distracted. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I remember a long time ago, this happened to me when I was a little boy, forgive me for the story. But I wanted my mom. I kept on pulling on her, I kept on bothering her, I kept on bothering her. And she said, Fine, you want my attention? She sat on the ground. 
And she started to do like little stuff. She's like, no, 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 you can't go away. You can't go away. And she made me look at her. She made me like, and, I, and it, was, it was just a funny moment that I'll never forget. I was probably kindergarten or first grade. She like forced me to be with her. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening. I like that. Oh, That's I, like, I like that. I love that story. And the um, eye contact with uh, son and his uh, dad and son and mom and son and all that kind of stuff is so important because it, it, it triggers an area in your brain yeah. that creates this limbic resonance. And that creates an attachment that we are missing in our culture. And I feel like, of course, video games are really detaching our kids from our family too early. And for dads to understand that the attachment process through child development is so critical. And if they don't get this attachment work done, they will spend the rest of their life trying to fix their problems. Um, that's very, very critical. So the activities that you do with your kids should really bond uh, around that attachment. And I do think it's really good for dads to do physical activities with their kids, get physical with them, hug them, touch them. None of that stuff is happening in a video game. There's no eye contact. There's no physical touch. It's, it's very critical. Do. It's hard yeah. to do because dad's tired. Mom is tired. Everybody's exhausted again, but we have to look at it a different way is that you just have 18 years, 18 yeah. years and the window shuts every single year. Every single, my boy is a senior. He's, he's Miho. He's my little, my little man who I love dearly. Of course, I love my girls as well, but he was yeah. my first one, but he's going to go bye-bye. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, eventually he's going to get a girlfriend. He's not yeah. going to want to talk to dad. I mean, this is the reality of life. And if you haven't established a relationship with your kid when they're in elementary school, junior high and high school, I think it's going to be a little tougher to do when they're in college. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a foundation that you build. Plus, he is not going to think back on his childhood and remember Oh, all these hours he played video games. He's going to have incredible memories of spending time with you. And Absolutely. that is going to get him through some hard, lots, time. Of, sweat. lots yeah. of sweat, Absolutely. lots of sweat, lots of sweat. <laughs> that is such a great tip, sweat and eye contact and physical touch and video games don't offer any of that. So let's and, move and on. Wait, I need to rephrase that. And also one other thing is have an okay. activity that everyone could do together. Yeah. I don't care. That activity is so critical. So just yeah. figure that out, mom and dad. What is your activity? It could be yeah. cooking. It doesn't have to be athletic. You could all learn right. how to cook together. I heard one family was learning how to sing opera together. I mean, how funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, playing music too. How fun that is if you can do that together. Okay, let's get to the, some of the, more of these questions here. So, okay, this is a really good one. If my son doesn't play video games, and this is from a dad, if my son doesn't play video games, he won't have any friends. What say you to that question? <laughs> really? I mean, how many yeah. friends did you have in high in elementary school? I mean, we had we had Atari with Pac-Man. We didn't have video games. I mean, I have to go over to my friend's house who had a TV for video games. Um, I just think it's. I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, but really, I mean, of course he's going to have video games. Now there will. It does need to be said though. There are going to be parts like when someone said, "Did you see the latest movie on uh, you know?" feng shui or whatever it is you yeah. might not be able to have that conversation with them i, right. I understand because you didn't see that movie if you saw the movie then you could talk so there right. would be that dynamic but the truth of the matter is he'll have friends if he's friendly hmm. it's the same way yeah. you had friends when you were in elementary school and high school whether you played the video games or saw the movie or you didn't see the movie mm-hmm mm-hmm I think that when you see our screen kids film, it's at happyhomeuniversity.com slash film, you'll hear Ethan. So Ethan's a senior, public school, 
large school, San Diego. So it's not like we live in the super conservative place. And when asked, how do you make, like, do you have friends? You know, cause you know, play video games. And he'll say, you know, there are some people that you can't be their friend because you don't have a certain game. You're like, you don't know, like you don't know how to play. So you, you don't really connect with them. And he, but he said, those are the kinds of people that you don't necessarily want to be friends with because the only way you can become their friend yeah. is if you have this gaming thing in common. And he said, but most people that you'd really want to have your friend, like a quality, a good quality friend won't mind that you don't play a certain game or have a certain thing. They'll like you for other reasons. And I thought that was a really good question. Like just to ask what's the quality of friend that we want our friends to have our kids to have. And if gaming is the only thing I remember seeing in the airplane and these two, like 20 something sat next to each other. And it was very clear, like they're from different countries or, but they played the same game mm-hmm. and they talked to each other incessantly. There were cursing. They, I mean, they were having a good time, but there were, there was language that <laughs> they were playing, talking about this game. And I thought that was pretty funny because they talked for like 30 minutes about this game. But if you take that game out of the conversation, I don't think they have anything else to talk about. And so just think in the short term, maybe your, your child doesn't, isn't in that conversation, but in the long term, they're going to have better quality friends that are going to stand the test of time. And Ethan has never had a problem uh, without games, without a phone, having friends because of shared activities. You know, he is in clubs and he does different things and he does have friends. So I want to put a plug in. Arlene made it, Arlene had this idea for the movie. This is more of Arlene's spiel than mine, which is totally fine. Um, but she put together this movie. It's free. And the reason why I wanted to do the movie is to give people a little window into our world. It will really give you hope of what's yeah. possible. We have really balanced kids. We have really healthy relationships with our kids. It's, it's, it's very sweet. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So I really want to just put a plug in there. Just, just watch the movie. It's free of nothing to lose. Um, just get an idea of, of what's possible because there is a whole nother life out there sincerely without, without the video games. I mean, right now I think we're looking, Oh, video games, video games. If you forgive me, if you take the blinders off, it's a big world. It's a big, big world. And there's a lot to do. (laughs) Yeah. And I love the little movie y'all put together. It is so awesome. We're going to be putting it in our Facebook group and we'll be putting it in all kinds of stuff and promoting that. Cause it's like I said, you're like the family. (laughs) You're like, the please don't think family. we're like so perfect, but I will no. tell you if you will make these harder decisions, no. like, Hey, we're just not going to have video games for the kids where this is where it'll make your life easier later. So if you do oh. the hard now, you, you will get the easier will come. And sure. your kids will have more friends. And I really want to make that clear that they have such a limited pool of friends on their video games. And it's like a bubble. So a lot of people think, oh, you're living in a bubble because you don't let your kids have video games and smart. Well, the truth of the matter is, no, we're not in the bubble. The tech kids are in the bubble. The bubble is, is very closed up and it's very like one-sided and they're just doing this gaming thing. And, um, and again, I'm not judging. I was there. I did all this with my oldest and and now that we're not in that bubble anymore, we have this whole world that is fabulous. And the younger boys, um, my younger sons have way more friends than their older brother ever had, even, even to this day. And I think it's really sad. And that's one of our most sad 
moments over the mistakes we made with our oldest is he just doesn't have childhood friendships. Mm -hmm. They're just, they just don't exist. And the kids that he played video games with, he didn't even know them really, you know, a few of them, one of them he roomed with in college and they both played video games and they both dropped out. And so, but, but with the twins, you know, they have so many friends and because we have a lot of social activities at our house, which you probably do too. You know, if you're not in the bubble, you are out doing a lot of fun things and kids just want to come over here because we're not plugged into the wall and we're having fun, you know, activities. We play a lot of board games and, you know, dad joins in, did a lot more when they were younger. Now they're kind of trained, you know, they know how to be social. I think they're a lot more social without video games. Um, okay. So I hope that answered that question. I think you're going to have a lot more friends. And I know if your kids don't have mm -hmm. smartphones, they're definitely going to have a lot more friends because you do not have friends on social media. Those are just acquaintances. They're not, you're not building friendships. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next question is if he doesn't play, I'm worried that he will be a wimp um, because the video game violence toughens him up. And I don't think the violence really, you know, hurts him that much. So uh, James, can you speak to that question about... Uh this I experience. Have, I have a hard time computing. I'm sorry. Um, ask the question to me one more time. I'm a little slow. If my son doesn't play, I'm worried that he will be a wimp because this dad wants him to experience some violence and the, the violence doesn't really hurt him. He's got to get tough. Um, and the other question with that is my kid must experience all of this under my roof now, or he won't be prepared for the real world. There's some kind of thing that the moms and dads, and I did too. I, I thought when Adam was in high school, all these games he were he was playing, they were terrible, but I just thought, well, he's a boy, he's tough. You know, my daughter wasn't interested in him, but I, there's some kind of weird switch that went off in my head. And now, of course, when I look at the content, there's no way I, I what was I thinking? I had a huge blind spot. So, but dads, a lot of times and moms too, you know, they think, well, it's okay. It's not that big a deal. Um, if you really want to prepare your kid for the real world, take them to a martial arts class. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I mean, come on. Yeah. You gotta watch a movie yeah. and get a reality or gaming. That that's um, there's something beyond that question that's um that's it's not uh, I just I just have a hard time computing it. Yeah. I don't think that really prepares a child. There's a there's a proverb that I'm gonna butcher. It says something like plant your field and then build your house. Mm. So it was an agricultural mm. society. So if you would build your house first or your own pleasure first mm -hmm. and then plant your field when it's wintertime, then you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I think what many parents lose sight of is is that you have these, these, this window, this window of time to develop your child as those 18 years, really it's, you know, zero to 12 is essential. And then, then, then it's like 13 to 18, right? Before they go to college. If you don't plan, plant your field, if you don't do what's necessary to develop those, those skills that Arlene talks about in her book with Gary Chapman, those A plus skills of, uh, what are they, sweetheart? I forget. Appreciation, uh, affection, anger management, yeah. apology, and attention. I yes. mean, th those are the makings of a man. Th those yeah. are the makings of a real man. If you don't develop those skills while they're, you know, before 18, um, good luck trying to reestablish that. I don't think video games are, 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 are helpful in that pursuit. No, and I think we've gotten all very desensitized to the violence. We are not playing Pac-Man anymore. It's, that's not what's happening in our culture. And so for 
dads, especially for y'all to understand that violent media, that violent imagery in a child's brain over and over and over. It's like a toxic, um, little ding in their brain. And, and I want to tell you from a medical standpoint, when a child views a, um, graphic, you know, violent image, which is what they are now in video games, video games look very real. It's not like the little round Pac-Man. It's like a real looking person in, in, you know, you're blowing somebody's head off. So, or you're seeing a, a sexualized character, those little reels get stored in your child's brain and they never go away. And I didn't understand this until I talked very extensively with a neuroscience, a neuroscientist about this, how um, normal stuff doesn't get stored as much, but things that are graphic and violent and toxic and ugly and, you know, um, novel and weird that gets stored, go figure, right? Cause your brain is like, oh my gosh, that's weird and different, you know? So we're going to store it and it can be played over and over and over. So your child could literally be in school in math class and he can access that little videotape in his head. Like it's stored like on a little flash drive and he can replay that play in the video game because it made such an impression on him. And this is the last thing we want to do is to have our kids remembering all this stuff and remembering the graphic stuff. So it's more permanent than you realize, um, you know, with the violence and everything. Um, you know, when I've got a question here, Melanie, and you know, when you, when you're listening to these things and you realize, Oh man, my kid has been playing this violent video game. And I think I, I, I want to wean them off of that. How do I do that? You know? So this question is how do you handle it when your 16 year old tells you no about putting down the phone? I don't want to yell or scream or get physical. We try to be patient with him as well as try to validate his opinion. Eventually he gives in. We don't let him have extra, but we struggle handling to get the phone back when he just says no or shut it down. So, you know, here's saying, give it back. I need it. No, I won't give it to you. How, how do you deal with this teenager who, you know, probably is used to having it and is, is used to this and you're wanting to put limits and they just look at you in the face and say, no, yeah. James, you want James. to start? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I think, you know, when you love your kids, you can get it. Love covers a multitude of, you know, sins and I'm not a perfect parent. I'm not, there's no quite, I don't want to give that impression at all, but my kids know that I love them. They, mm -hmm. they know it. So even when I ask them to do things they don't like, yeah. eventually they come around because they know, they really know that I love them. It's not an issue of convenience or issue mm -hmm. of appearance of how I look. Well, it has nothing to do with that. So we had a situation the other day and this is going to sound crazy. I just can't get over the entitlement. The entitlement mm -hmm. is, um, it kind of bothers me to be honest, because everything that we all have is because we earned it. Um, so my daughter the other day, I wanted her to join us. We were watching something on, on we were watching something in, in the room and we're watching as a family, but my daughter was online and I don't know what she was doing, um, but I wanted her to join us. So I simply turned off the internet. <laughs> and as I was kissing her goodnight, she said, that was no fair. You turn off the, now this is a 14 year old girl. It's no fair, you turn off the internet, daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my point is, is these things can magically like turn off in terms of right. like bandwidth, in terms of, I just, that's what I would do. I would just, just, oh, oh my goodness, we ran out of your, I, I know with certain carriers, they give a certain amount of bandwidth at a certain speed. And then after that speed is over, then it's down to a turtle. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's not even usable. So something along those lines, I think would be really appropriate. 
Like, yeah, I oh, think look, it is- it's so sluggish today. How, how <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it is really hard when a child already has a phone or they already mm-hmm. have a gaming habit and they're kind of, so we have a challenge. We have a week long challenge that you can take that will just get you started. It's not, it's not just meant to last for a week, but it's a, a week to get you started. It's free. You can go on our website, screenstrong.com, download this thing, and you're going to get emails. You have a little course that you can take, and we will show you how to back out of your decision to give in to the, all this, you know, all these devices. And we really do believe, and James and Arlene are backing me up here tonight, but we really do believe that teenagers can be just fine without smartphones and without video games. And you need to hear that. And we need to say that over and over. And I know that when you have it, like, it would have been really hard for my oldest, for me to have found Screen Strong when he was a junior. I don't know how I could have done it. I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I ended up with the younger kids. We just never had it. In around first grade, we took all the video games out of our house. And so it was so much easier and it is much easier now, but it's not impossible. And we know from the medical science that the brain will reset and it will take a little bit of time, but it will reset. And that's what you're trying to do, because let me explain just something really quick about what happens when your child is on that phone, when they're on the phone to the point where they're mad at you for taking it away, then there's something wrong. They should have a take it or leave it attitude. It should be okay to have it and okay not to have it. That's going to be balanced, but that's not going to really happen with kids because it's so addictive. And so what happens when they are on a game or a phone is there is all these chemicals that are released in their brain, you know, the dopamine, the serotonin, all the stuff that's released and it creates a, um, a dependency. But over time, if you continue this, it, they will get very dependent, just like you and I will get very dependent. But what happens when you take it away, it, it, they'll go through withdrawal, just like any other drug, they go through withdrawal. And this is what's going to happen if you go to start taking the game away. Um, um, if you take the phone away, this is why we really recommend, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, James and Arlene, we really recommend that there is sort of a cold turkey thing, because if you just start to allow little pieces here and there, then you're sending this really mixed message to your kid and they're getting the hit of dopamine and they're not getting it and then they're getting it and whatever. And our goal is to try to teach them how to get that dopamine in other areas of their life like running with their dad and beating him, right? Like beating their dad and push-ups and sit-ups and all of that. So James, talk about that moderation. Um, uh, Forgive me, I just lost my thought. Arlene? Well, you know, I actually, in terms of moderation, you know, so for us, our answer was, we don't want to have this conversation. And I see that in the chat over and over again, like when we took it away, that, that made it easier. So for us, it was, we're just not going to do video games. We're not going to do the phone. We're not going to do social media. And that's kind of how we're going to roll. And the thing is when they, in the absence of those things, you know, there are workarounds. So it's not like we don't have technology. Look at us. We're talking to you. We have computers, you know, we have laptops. The kids have iPads from school. So all they're filled with computers and stuff, but it's the type, it's the social media, it's the video games, et cetera. And I know one of the questions was like, oh, this is great. My child doesn't have an iPad, doesn't play video games, et cetera. But how can I prepare my child kind of to enter this technological world when they're an adult? And for that, I would say to you, don't you worry. They did a study at UCLA where 12 people use the internet and 12 people didn't. 
and they scanned their brains. And indeed they looked really different. The internet users, it lit up during like they could see peripheral quick decision-making. So they had the non-users. So think of it, this is your child who doesn't have an iPad, doesn't play games and have a phone. They just had that person go online for one hour a day for five days. And then they brought them back, scanned their brains, and their brain looked exactly like the experienced uh, user. Yeah. Your child will learn technology so quickly. Just think of how much easier, you know, you give a two-year-old an iPad and you're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Like they can yeah. figure it out. So yeah. your child is going to learn technology. So it's what you're not doing- not like is, when we were kids. When yeah. we were kids and we had to learn technology, I remember we had to do this DOS boot up. It was mm-hmm. complicated. The floppy drives and (laughs) but I want to adjust your question. What do you do with that 16-year-old that um is kind of going, you know, popping the attitude and he's just spending too much time in that um in that in that world? Um I'll go back to myself. I got my numbers were a little high with my cholesterol, and I needed to do a reset. I needed to do a reset. So am I gonna flirt with my chocolate chip cookies? No. I'm going to get rid of the chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think a week is long enough. We need yeah, a, a minimum of a month. Yeah. It needs to be a minimum of a month. It has to be. You have to do that reset. And then after that, it has to be with these tight parental controls. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of works like a funnel. It sounds crazy. Uh, a funnel initially, you know, when our kids are young, the, 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 the control is great, right? But as they get older, the control is free. So what I mean by that is, you know, I wouldn't let my kids, you know, run across the street. Now my kids are biking to school, right? Mm -hmm. So you can say, well, you know, you don't give them the funnel when it comes to like video games. Well, you go ahead and buy your own video games. You go buy your own uh, cell phone. Mm -hmm. They can't. Mm -hmm. It's all Mm -hmm. funded. A hundred percent of this madness is funded Mm -hmm. by the parents, excuse me, stupidity. That's what's going on. (laughs) Forgive me. I know I'm from New York. I just offended a bunch of people. But we're very sorry. We're, we're all, we, we funded this whole thing. Like I had a friend right. of mine, a client of mine, he's, he bought a cell phone for his, for his uh, kid. And I asked him like a month ago, like, how's that working for you? Yeah. And he's like, James, I cannot believe I'm funding this whole drama. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. You're paying uh, I mean, that's for what it. they're doing. I'm exactly what they're paying for. They're paying for it emotionally and they're paying for it financially. And that's, I have better, I'd rather invest in crypto. <laughs> let, me piggy, let me piggyback off right here with what Blanca's uh, question is. So let's say you want to transition. You're the one that bought the cell phone and you're thinking, why am I funding all this drama? Now I want to pull the cell phone back. So what are, how do you think they can pull it back? You know, what, what kind of suggestions do you have for when they are pulling it back? How, what kind of conversation, what might that script sound like? So um, when we do the challenge, we have all this kind of written out for you. So it's kind of easy to go through and you, you want to change your attitude first and take your parenting hat off and put your coaching hat on. Right. And then you want to explain to them, Hey, we've been learning a lot about this brain science and no offense, but your attitude really is not working right now. And so this must be true. Right. And you tell them you made a mistake and you take it away. You take it away. And it, even if your child has a job, which mm, maybe they do, maybe they don't, I, we still would not allow our kids to buy a smartphone in our house, just like we would not allow them to buy a bag of pot. I'm not going to allow pot in my house. Those are our rules. That's the way it's going to be. We have a, uh, the equivalent of a flip phone. It's a talk mm-hmm. text phone and it doesn't have any internet, doesn't have social media, and that's fine. And I think as long as you know that, that there are options out there. It is very, very reasonable. You are not asking your kid to do something that you didn't do. You didn't grow up with all this stuff. 
you know, I think that's a, a good way to explain it. And James, to your question about the one week, you're right. The one week is just to get you started. <clears throat> really, you need about three months. And we have a six month goal too to get parents to that, to that point. And what your goal is during this time, you can't just take it away. You have to replace it. You have to start spending time with your kids. And there's really nothing, there's really no screen problem out there that can't be fixed by parents spending more time. And I know that that sounds really cliche and tough and pie in the sky, but it's true. Y'all are living it. You're doing it. Are you perfect? Of course not. None of us are perfect, but we know that when we spend more time with our kids, deliberate time in person, making eye contact with them, mm -hmm. the physical touch, the actually working on a purposeful activity together because video gaming is very depressing because you have nothing to show for all your work. And I would also just mention that if your son is a gamer and if he's really a diehard gamer and he's not getting bored on the game or he's not, uh, you know, failing on the game, then he's probably really smart because today's video games, you have to be really sharp to progress up those leader ladders. You need to think about his brain and that capacity and his cognitive skills and put, put that brain to use somewhere else mm -hmm. where he's going to really excel and have something to show for it. And this is what my son told me later. He said, mom, I have logged 10,000 hours on a video game. And that was from middle school through college. And he said, I have zero to show for it. And here, my little brothers have been taking piano and violin, and they are really good. And I am so upset that I did mm. not invest that time. Now he can see it. Now he's almost yeah. 30 years old and he can see it. And that's what you as the parent coach, you have to see that for your child because he can't see it. And dad, you have so much power in your home. And James, I want you to talk about that role specifically for dads and that modeling and that hero role that he needs to fill. Okay. Um, I don't know if uh, um, we're raising adults, not children. That's what I'll start mm -hmm. with. Um, <laughs> one thing that I think every kid likes to do is win. Um, mm -hmm. Help them win. You help them win when they go to you know, kindergarten with reading. You help them win when they, when they join the tennis team or you just help them win when they're riding a bike. You just help them win. I think one of the things we can help our kids do better with mm -hmm and this might sound silly, but we got to help them win doing something other than just video games. Help them win money. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. Teach them how to invest. And if you don't know how to invest, you can take a course together. I mean, mm -hmm. create a custodial account because they, it's very easy to measure it. It's very mm -hmm. easy to measure. Are we winning or are we losing? It sounds <laughs> silly, but it, it's something where it can focus. Of course, any truth carried to an extreme can become an error. So of course it could be addictions and everything, but I just mm -hmm. think this is another healthy thing to do because I think all, a lot of this that we're also dealing with is our kids have a natural expression of being independent. They do, mm -hmm. all of our kids are gonna grow up and they're not gonna live with mom and dad. And I, that needs to be celebrated and it needs to be communicated to our kids that they're gonna have this desire to be their own. And at the same time, it's very important that as they express their desire to be their own, that they do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. I think we squelch this as much as possible and it comes out disrespectfully. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that Arlene and I, and this is, this is kind of like maybe calculus for some people, but we're going to share it with you anyway, is in the area of money, we actually decided to, we kind of figured out what our kids need for their different clubs and clothes. And we basically give them their money every single month and they don't ask us for any clothes. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll see like an Amazon package come in the mail and my son's buying new socks. Mm-hmm. When you say my son wouldn't. <laughs> that happens every three years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> every time so to rip they're... some of those socks, so he buys new ones. But you get my point. My point is that you're using this money. You're teaching them to be an adult and you're yeah. using money right now when they're under your house. And they'll yeah. ask you, you have a more intelligent conversation with them as you give them the opportunity to be autonomous. That's yeah. kind of what these kids are looking for. Right. Right. So you're talking about life skills. I love it. That's a big part of our course. By the way, we have a course coming out at the end of November. So be sure and be on the lookout for that. But the life skills are really, really, really important. You're going to wake up one day when your kid is 18 and you're going to realize he doesn't know how to mow the grass or do his laundry or make a lunch or make a dentist appointment. And you're going to have a lot of kids heroes or when our kids are competent, then they're heroes. Right. When they have lack of competency, and they feel like butterfingers, they just, they, they, they withdraw. Yeah. No one's going to be a hero by withdrawing. And, and you can start at any time, you know, we, I mean, we just want to encourage you that if you've got a gamer in your house, you know, depending on that level of whatever, I know it's going to be tougher, but you've got to start because if you don't start, it's never going to reverse itself on its own. And your, your kids really need you to help them with this, depending on where they are in that addiction scale, they really need your help. They cannot get off of it because of the persuasive design, because games today are very much built to meet the needs of kids, right? And, and we've, we've got to meet their needs, not the game. Um, so, okay, let's get on to the questions. We, need, we got a bunch of questions. The final question I had here, and then let's get into the group, is I want to really um, in, encourage you and James, and Arlene to just really quick um, talk about when there is a couple who don't agree on, on gaming limits and rules. And we know from the research that over 15% of all divorces center around disagreements around video games. This is for real, whether it's one of the spouses playing themselves or there's a disagreement with the spouse and they're arguing all the time. What can you say about that. Yeah. And everybody's leaning in because they want to know when I disagree with my spouse, how do I get them to agree with me? So I'm so glad I wrote this book, Screen Kids with Dr. Gary Chapman. And he's such a good perspective of, you know what, this video game technology, it's just like anything else in life in your marriage. It could be about money. Where do the kids go to school? I don't like that friend. Do you like that friend? So just like anything else, it's either going to be, you're going to come to my side. I'm going to come to your side, or we're going to meet somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of realize that just like anything in life that you have to negotiate and talk through, this is one of the subjects, but it's one of the biggest, most major subjects now. And so we talked about if a wife is trying to get, for instance, her husband to not play as many video games, et cetera, you know, usually nagging, shaming, you know, those kinds of things don't work. So he suggested a conversation like this. Oh, I see you and Johnny. You've been playing that game on Saturday. I'm really glad that you are spending time together. I know Melanie's hyperventilating right now, but, you know, (laughs) I'm really glad you guys are spending time together. I know you care about each other. That's great. And then the next week you say something like, you know, I know you want to spend time with Johnny and that's so great. He doesn't know how to throw football properly. Can you go out and show him how to throw a football. And the, basically what he's trying to say is praise whatever the other spouse, right? The whoever spouse you're trying to change their opinion, inspect them, praise them, give them, give them kudos for what they are doing. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so they don't feel like you're the good 
parent and they're the bad parent, you know? So you give them those kudos, you, you get on their side, let them know that they're on your side. And then you suggest, Hey, you know what, when it's all said and done, don't you think it'd be cool if our kids, when they think about their childhood, what do you think is going to come to mind? Mm-hmm. And don't you think it'd be cool if it wasn't only that we just played video games together and we sat on the same couch for 13 years, you know, so, <laughs> and, and like, let's aspire to something more. And I think that's going to be a lot more attractive than, you know, the guilt and all of those things. Yeah. I think it's really up to maybe the mom too, sometime or vice versa for the other parent to be positive and start structuring family activities to start filling that time. Yeah. Even if it's during the week, if it's on the weekend or whatever, maybe every Thursday night you go out to get frozen yogurt together as a family, you know, you mix it up. You, you, it's so easy just to stay home and get on the game. You know, the other things that you can do. And we have this information. Um, the other is side you can- of the coin though, I just want to add this and have Arlene chime in as well. Okay. I see a lot of guys, it's their escape. And I see yeah. a lot of guys that don't want to come home for dinner. They want to work later in the office and it's all self-inflicted. But to be frank with you, I don't blame them because if I were married to their wife, I would want to work late too. I'm, I'm serious. So or what are they, when they leave that game, what are they coming to? Are they coming to something that's fun? Are they coming to something that's vivacious? Are they coming, what are they coming to? So yeah. I'm just saying, you got to make the other thing kind of attractive. I'm not, Anyway, Arlene, you, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. No, I'd actually like to get to the other questions because I feel like we dealt really nicely with this okay. question. So okay. I've got one for you, Melanie. Oh, so yes. this is just about um, from, from an occupational therapist that she's really seen that we're talking a lot about media addiction now. Mm-hmm. And so she just wants you to share just a little bit about play-based learning you know, not video game, but play-based learning and how that can really help children to perform better. Like why is this free structure play versus video games so much healthier for our kids? So the reason why in a nutshell is that free play is actually practice for real life (laughs) coming up. So when your kids are having that little tea party, they're practicing their conversation. They're practicing how to work through conflicts. They're practicing how to be a person and how to have a friend when they're on a video game, they're not practicing that. Right. So free play also um, allows them to practice things like working out conflicts. I watch this all the time when my kids were little, I take them over to the ballpark and they would all play and they get no argument, right. About the baseball rules, but they would work it out. And then they, they would have to resolve it on a video game. All you do is hit the reset button and you never work anything out or you just shoot the person in the head and you kill them and then it's over. So free play is super, super important. Free play should be looked at as their job. And our job is to make time in their schedule and to make the bandwidth in our busy lives and the structure for them to actually have downtime and free play. And that does not include screens. It does not happen. It's impossible. The book play by Stuart Brown is one of my favorite books. And he has a whole chapter on the dark side of play, but he talks about screens, but I learned so much just from that little book. And it's easy read. The name of it is play. Yeah. That's my, my short answer. And then poor Dana, I think a lot of us enjoy, and a lot of people on this call will understand this. The nine-year-old who was given the Nintendo switch, it wasn't going well. Nintendo switch was taken away. Now the child makes you feel so guilty. I'm left out. I'm left out. I'm left out. Um, you know, they've done everything that they could. They've been to the therapist. They've done golf lessons, guitar lessons, piano, chess club, all these things. They are encouraging reading and outdoor play. This has gone for over a year and now he wants to grow 
up to be a YouTuber. <laughs> and so this is a nine-year-old and they're just really frustrated and frazzled. Um, you know, how can their, their main heart is, how can we kind of convince our child that he's not left out and how can mm -hmm. we stop the cycle of him constantly asking us for these things? James, if you want to, I'll start. And then James, maybe you can chime in on this one. I really think that a dad can make all the difference here. Mm -hmm. If there's a yeah. dad in the picture, I think there can, they can make a huge difference. I don't think our kids need 10 friends. Mm -hmm. uh, the Dunbar number says that our children only need five close relationships and three of them are their sister and their mom and their dad. So that leaves two. So if you can behind the scenes, start to help your child develop friends with just a few people and make those really tight friends, have them over, mm -hmm. have a potluck di dinner at your house every Friday, let the parents come over, get to expand your tribe a little bit. Boys especially need a tribe. This is very important for their development. Girls do too, but they only, they are, that's a whole different story. They only want like three total boys like a tribe. So maybe every Friday or Saturday or whatever day that you can figure out, you, you invite the kids over with no screens and you go to the park and you throw the football, or you go to the Frisbee um, golf, or you do the baseball thing or whatever. This is what I did. It works. I promise you it works hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families say that this worked, but you have to intervene here. Then eventually they figure it out how to do it on their own. But a lot of times kids are not able to be social and they can't figure out the social thing because all they're used to is doing it online. Mm -hmm. So James, what would you recommend for this parent? Oh, a nine-year-old that wants to become a YouTube sensation. Um, I would encourage the parent to be the parent. Um, yeah. something's kind of askew there. I'm sorry, but yeah. something's askew there. Um, well, yeah. and, and don't let your child, uh, rattle you. All right. One, um, thing I've learned early on is never let a teenager fool you <laughs> either. <laughs> so you have to just, you know, not be shaken and keep a smile on your face and say, Oh, I'm so sorry that you feel that way, but this is what we're doing. And you have to be very firm and confident just like a coach, just imagine guys, if you're out there on a football team and your coach doesn't know what the heck he's doing, right? You're going to not do very well on that team and you're going to flounder. And so when you have that confidence to say, you know what, buddy, we're not doing YouTube. This is not on our agenda. In fact, for six months, we're not even going to look at YouTube. So we're going to do this instead. And they're going to buck and stomp and they're going to have their attitude and you're going to be fine. And you're going to smile and you're not going to let them Oh my goodness. I used to let Adam get to me so much. Oh, I could go in a whole nother direct, you know, but with the, the boys, I learned, uh-uh, I'm the coach. I've got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. And that confidence really, really will help. And your child, your children really want to please you. They really want you to love them. They want to love you. Mm -hmm. And, and right now with the screens, all interrupting our families, um, we just got to pause it for a while. We, we, we got to postpone this stuff so we can get our family attachment straight. Yeah. Speaking of postponement, you know, some people are asking about the phone for the high schoolers. And so I always love to tell people that Bill Gates didn't get a phone until 14. So don't even think about it until then. And then like we were talking about, we have a sophomore and a senior and neither of them have smartphones. I think we could be in a discussion to have like a dumb phone, like a flip phone with number. I mean, I think that could be something we could talk about, but in terms of a smartphone for ourselves, we have said, you know, we just don't want to do that, but we understand that for some high schoolers. So I'm going to kick that over to Melanie. Um, just give a brief, brief thought on that. So really briefly, if your child has a smartphone, 
And I happen to think 14 is the worst if you had to the pinnacle of the worst age, because that's when they're trying to find their identity. And there's all these things going on with comparison and trying to mimic what everybody's doing. And, and the trash dump of social media is just that it's a trash. It's like the city dump. And I really don't want my kids getting their identity from the city dump. Um, their anxiety will go through the window. They will be stressed. They will be left out. They will have the fear of being, of missing out. That FOMO thing will start to happen. They will be rejected. And number one, hundred percent of kids with smartphones will view more porn than kids who don't have smartphones. Mm -hmm. That that's across the board. That has to, you have to understand that no matter how it's locked down, no matter, no matter, no matter a basic phone is fine. They are perfectly fine. They need to text you when they're going to be late for baseball. And that's pretty much what they need it for. You are going to encourage them to get on the phone and call their friends, invite all their eight buddies over on Friday night. You're going to get the pizza. And I always say, mom and dad, don't worry about spending money on your kids' social activities because it's a whole lot cheaper than counseling. And counseling, at least around here, is like $150 an hour. So if you took that $150 and you bought some pizza, then you're fine. And, <laughs> and, and you know what? It doesn't take very long. Our house now every weekend is full of kids and it, it started in middle school and it's never stopped. And ultimately that's what they want. They, they don't need a phone and, and you can listen to the podcast that the boys did that Andrew and Evan did about not having a smartphone. And um, they're telling me now they're juniors and they're saying, you know what, mom, I don't even know that we're going to get a smartphone in college. Like we love the freedom mm -hmm. of not having to bother with it. I mean, they have a computer right? They can get to what they need to on the computer, um, but they like the freedom of not being tied down. So, you know, it's kind of what y'all have said all along, you know, what you do in childhood is, mm -hmm. is going to produce what you get here later on. Um, I'm very adamant that kids don't need a, a, a smartphone for the 48 months of high school. I'm going to make some t-shirts that say we can do this for 48 months. Right. 48 months is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and what the they parents. gain the truth of the matter is the parents want it. Mom and dad yeah. want it for their own. It's convenience. a convenience for them. And, and to be honest with you, I miss out. But the beautiful thing about it is, you know, rewind the tape. What did we do when we were kids? We found a payphone, right? And we yeah. waited. That's what we did. We found a pay or we walked home or we got on a bike and we got home. That's what we did. Yeah. That was our options. Today, the options are so wonderful because every single one of my friends, or my kids' friends has a cell phone. Yeah. I don't like yeah. you'll have to do two feet away. You can borrow someone's yeah. phone. and say, I mean, how convenient is that? And I'm not well, even when, you, for it. when your kids don't have a smartphone, what, you know, or video games, it, it creates these other areas of their brain. Mm -hmm. So every morning, you know, we have to talk about what does four o'clock yes. look like today That's and you right. have to plan ahead. And my, my boys do have basic phones. I can text them. However, our school does not allow phones from eight o'clock to three o'clock. They don't allow them. They don't even allow them in the building at lunch or anything. That's the way it should be. So if they don't need it then, and they have a computer when they get home, why do they need a phone? They don't need a phone. Just because it's something is convenient, just because they can put their little running app on there and they can run. I, I'd say, get a stopwatch or get a <laughs> wristwatch. You know, they, just because something's convenient doesn't mean it's necessary. And I love mm -hmm. the idea of 48 months uh, you can do it. You can do yes. anything for 48 months. That's so good. Jill asked the question, like, how can you encourage other parents to have play dates that are not around screens? And so I think we're going back on what has been said already by encouraging that pizza night, by encouraging, let's have the girls meet at the mall. Let's have a meet up at the park. Let's have them do this, those kinds of things. That's going to really help out the kids. 
And you can start a Screen Strong group in your school. It takes two seconds to start it. And all you're doing is planning non-tech activities for kids in your class. And, and, you know, they may have video games when they go home and they may have smartphones when they go home, but when you plan activities, you know, our screen strong activity is we're going to go bowling, we're going to the park. There's no screens, like there's no electronic, like that's the only requirement is that we just are teaching our kids to be social for a couple hours without the distraction and the interruption of the phone. But it really does take a joint effort on the part of mom and dad. And for all the moms out there who are still on the fence and, all the dads out there who are on the fence, I just want to encourage you just to take some baby steps, give it a try. You never know. You may just love it. Your kids will definitely calm down. They will be less stressed, believe it or not. And they can pick up the phone, your phone or the house phone. We actually have a, a basic um, phone. that's just a house phone and they can call their friends and you can have them over and say, honey, what I'm going to do for you after we get rid of this phone is we're going to start having social things at our house. And just watch what happens. So I know we got some more questions. Yeah, we're getting toward the end of the questions, but they're asking, you know, what if they, my son plays video games at someone else's house? Right. So James, I don't know if you, you uh, struggled with this at all. So in, been, in there, our been, house, been there, done that. Yeah. Mm. How did you handle that? How did you handle that? I had a lot of fun. Confession time. <laughs> I mean, come on. The kids are going to see games at their friend's house. I mean, this, the stuff that you can control in your sphere is one thing, but I don't think your kids should be, you know, shamed or feel embarrassed. No. It's going to be this, of course, if it's violent, that's a whole other issue, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, of course, you can limit I, that relationship, but I'm sure you might have a different opinion on that. Oh, no, I agree. We're not legalistic. I mean, sometimes they go to the dentist and there's a video game there, you know, when they were little. But um, the way I handled it was with the neighbors, I would say, you know what? My kids are allergic to porn and, you know, we've really struggled with video games and the moms would be like, oh my gosh, you know, we kind of laugh over it. And I'm like, no, seriously, when they come to play, is it okay if they can just play outside? My oldest son really struggled and I, I just really don't want my kids on video games. And they were more than happy to accommodate that as kids get a little bit older, my boys got to the point where if they went to somebody's house and they were playing video games, they like usually ended up coming home because they wanted to play football or they want to go through the Frisbee or they wanted to go ride their longboard. And so the kids kind of, you know, divide themselves out. So the ones in the neighborhood that like to be physical, they end up hanging out together. And I guess the gamers are hanging out together too, but we don't, we're not legalistic about it. But if there is a pattern where yeah. you realize that your child is going over to some kid's house that he hardly knows because he's just gaming every Thursday for four hours. Yeah. Right. You got to intervene. That's intervene. right. This yeah. is a question about um, if playing Minecraft once or twice a month to ease their child's anger. So the child wants to play Minecraft, you know, can they let them play one to two times a month? And I'm going to I'm going to kick that over to, to you, Melanie. James, you want to say something? Because I got something to say about that. <laughs> um, my question is really. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's shape this question. Everything really. Anger problem. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, see, Minecraft, when I banned Minecraft from my house before I even banned all of video games, after I realized the amount of sexual content in Minecraft that I had no idea was there, that really disturbed me. And um, in Minecraft, you know, your kids that play Minecraft, yeah, whatever, we can say there's some good things going on there. If you give them real Legos, they're, they're going to actually do a lot better from a developmental standpoint. They're going to actually do better with the brain mapping and the building and all that. But if your kids are on Minecraft, chances are they're gonna 
they're going to get on YouTube. They're going to watch some Minecraft stuff. And not that I want you to do this, but if you were um, to go to your browser and type in Minecraft sex, you're going to come up with like 20,000 YouTube videos about Minecraft sex. So that really disturbed me. And that was when my kids were young. And I just thought, what the heck? And my oldest son, uh, we have a little video on our YouTube channel from Screen Strong. And he talks about, oh, Minecraft. He said, you know, that's like the gateway drug. It, you know, he said, this is what all gamers that are die hard, you know, gamers now, older gamers, they all cut their teeth on Minecraft. And then now it's basically Fortnite. So I really don't want um, my kids cutting their teeth on that. If, if your kid's going to get angry about it, you got to maybe kind of work through that and put them in some martial arts and um, mm -hmm. get him to direct his anger. I love that. I love, I just, I just think you got to say as a mom, you know what, guys, we're not doing this. This is crazy. This is silly. Don't give it a lot of airtime. You know, don't, you know, you've got to get it in perspective for them because for your kids, yeah. it's going to be hard. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you said all that because you hear Minecraft and you think, oh, they're building and that's positive. So I think that's really, I appreciate that. Um, Diane asks, you know, what about three, and this is, you know, what about 3d printing? What about coding? And, and I do think this is different. Our son, Ethan, who yeah. does not play video games, he does do 3d printing and he does yeah. 3d yeah. print items. And I think that's pretty cool. And if a dad yeah. and a son, cause they're asking if you did mm -hmm. something together, what do you think about that? Because that's on a screen. Um, maybe James, you can address it, that it a little bit more. It should be championed. It should be the dad has this expertise that he can give to his son. Uh, of coding. I mean, this is phenomenal skills mm -hmm. and the math behind mm -hmm. it and learning these skills. I mean, these are transferable for the rest of his life. Yeah. And if they can do it with something that's fun or something he wants to do, our son actually designs his own um, Nerf guns. He designs <laughs> them all from scratch, every part wow. of it. He designs from scratch and he sells them on Etsy. Not 100%. He sells little parts of it. He's just he's starting out. This. So we'll keep but, you posted. <laughs> but yeah. this, is, this is good stuff. So this yeah. type of stuff, the champions, this type of, you know, this collaboration absolutely. where the dad is the hero, absolutely yeah. champion. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and we want to say very clearly, we want to use technology for all these good things. We are not anti-screen. We don't ban screens but we do ban toxic screens in our house. And I learned the hard way, but you have to keep that separate in your, in your brain that, you know, I've never met a child who was addicted to Excel. I, maybe there are kids <laughs> yes. out there. Um, and I know I some keep kids, waking up in the middle of yeah. the night to open up my spreadsheet. I know. <laughs> Those addictive elements are not there. Um, but as far as Minecraft and some of these other games that people think are learning games, I would just say that real learning really happens much better in 3D and manipulating and writing and holding paper and learning that way. Um, it doesn't really transfer easily between the screen. And that's a whole nother conversation for school screens. But I definitely think um, there are you know, like the coding, even though I have learned that you can learn coding really well off your computer, and especially for little kids, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, what do we have any other questions? I'm, I'm happy to tell you we have we have answered our questions. We've gone through our list. So maybe James, if you have a few closing comments. Yes. I, it's been talked about, but I think it needs to be said again. Number one, mom and dad you need to be on the same page. You do, and don't argue in front of your kids. Argue you know, by yourself and come up with the game plan that works for you guys as a family. I know there might be some extreme views. Maybe we're an extreme view for you. That's fine. Just come up with your game plan. That's going to work for you guys. Mm -hmm. And then also there does need to be this area of leadership. 
your kids are looking for leadership. They're looking for this. Melanie alluded to it earlier. Don't be like, I've seen this happen where kids were like, parents waffle. Well, I don't know if a phone, that parent's going down. They are going <laughs> down. I've seen it. Arlene has seen it. There needs to be this leadership. No, this is not appropriate right now. It will be appropriate you know, down the road when you have, it's it, appropriate down the road when I'm talking about the cell phone kind of thing. And the last thing I want to say is again, um, love covers a multitude of mistakes. Just make sure this whole thing is, is, is lathered in, in love as you communicate to your kids. Yeah. yeah. And it and can be the, awkward. The awkward is okay. Arlene's wrote a book on this subject. Uh, uh, parents rising. Yeah. Be the mm -hmm. parent. That's what your parents are looking for. Mm -hmm. That's what your kids are looking for. And James, can you have any encouragement to the dad who just feels kind of defeated right now that he loves to play video games and maybe now he's going to have to say good pause or pause that game for a little bit. Can you? Great, great question. I would say, you know, we're all, we're all guilty of our own habits you know, I'm guilty of my habits. You know, I got my, it's so funny. You know, we have the world wide web, but all mm -hmm. of us go to maybe like a half a dozen, maybe a dozen websites every day, right? Mm -hmm. We're all caught in this little rut. We are. So I would encourage that dad, like me, I had bad numbers. Things were going in the wrong. Do a reset, do mm -hmm. a reset with your wife. Arlene and I had this issue. She wanted early on, she was a, she was a features reporter and she wanted to do, she wanted to have a TV with cable in the house. And I said, sweetheart, we're going to do a three-month fast, and then we're going to resume this conversation. Mm. So I, I think something along those lines where you just do a reset for the sake of your family, and then you resume the conversation to be like, sweetheart, I gave it a try. Okay, I gave it a try. You can get off my back now. I'm playing my video games. But at least really give it a try. And then while you give it a try, see what, see what skills or hobbies mm. or goals or aspirations that are deep in your heart that kind of gone a little dusty. Because I believe those things are there. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but my hunch is as you explore, you're going to be like, wow. And it could be something totally new. I love mm -hmm. talking to people about their hobbies because they come alive. It's one of my favorite mm -hmm. things to ask someone. What are, you, what are some of your hobbies? And they, they're into their space and they come alive. So I would just encourage that dad, do a reset. See if you can dust off some of those old hobbies or goals. Arlene, um, can you share, James, first of all, that was fabulous. Um, I'm so glad we're taping this. Um, Arlene, can you share a final word of encouragement for the audience out there, yeah. for our audience who are just feeling so discouraged right now? Um, I wanted to encourage the moms to say, you know, if you've got a husband who is on this webinar, who is listening to this, mm. like that is so awesome. And to really lean into him. I know sometimes as moms, we feel like, we've got this, you know, we're the ones that did the diaper thing. We do the feeding thing. We do the school schedule. We know about this. And the husband's kind of like second class or something. And to realize that, wait a minute, I need him. I need dad to come in and really support dad. That even if you don't agree with dad's opinion at first, like in front of the kids, support dad. And then later you can kind of hash out the particulars, but let our attitude be I want to support you, honey. If you're going to step up and you're going to give leadership to our family, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to poke holes in that. I want to support that. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think really embracing that dad has that backbone of leadership that sometimes moms we lack, we're very nurturing. And so it's been really helpful for me. I'll think, oh, maybe the kids would want to, and James would be like, why would we do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So that <laughs> embrace that, embrace that. And just know, as long as you have a child under your roof, you know, the younger your child is, the easier these changes are going to be to make. Yes. But even if you have a 16, 17, 18 year old, it's not too late. As long as they're living under your roof to make some kind of positive change in the right direction, do not be discouraged, make it something specific that you can say you can do like, you know what, I'm going to you know, turn off the Wi-Fi overnight or whatever. It is just something specific that you know that you could do as a result of our time together. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That is so encouraging. And I wish I had been on this webinar about 10 years ago yes. <laughs> with my oldest son. It is just, I want everybody to um, not be discouraged. Just take one day at a time and don't try to take the next, you know, year, you know, just take one day. What can we do today? What can we do tomorrow to get closer as a family and to just pause all this distraction? I want to also remind you about the book about will your gamer survive college? This breaks it down really easy for easy read for your kids. And then also this assassination generation, I meant to bring this up earlier, just really quick. This is our book of the month this month, and it changes in October um, as well. But if you're a, a dad, you will love this book, Assassination Generation. I know the title is kind of crazy, but um, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman is just a wonderful military specialist in the art of killing. And um, he talks so clearly to men, I, I feel like in this book about what's going on with your sons when they're playing video games. This is a must read for anybody who has kids that are playing video games. And it just really gives you a lot of empowerment to do a lot of things we were talking about today. So don't be discouraged. Please don't be discouraged. Please be encouraged and please feel empowered. Thank you so much for joining us today, Arlene. Thank you, James. Thanks so much for oh having goodness. us, Melanie. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Fabulous to have you on and to have your perspective on as a dad who is really walking this walk. Thank you so much. Um, be sure and check out anything that we can help you with on our website on screenstrong.com. And until next time, stand up for your kids and stay strong.